You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. And a good nerve, Shabbos. Mashi Lipska here at High FM. And it's a very special Erev Shabbos. We actually, in the period of mourning for the Holy Temple, which was destroyed thousands of years ago, and of course, if tonight wasn't Shabbos, we would be fasting. That long fast, as long as the Yom Kippur fast. And to fast on Tisha B'Av is one of the two main fasts of the year, like Yom Kippur. Some people don't know that it's stringent and it's important. And it's not the short fast, but the long fast. More than 24 hours 25 plus of fasting. And the fast will begin at 5.42 tomorrow and will not end until 6.09 on Sunday night. So why are we fasting? If it's the saddest time of the year, how does Judaism handle sadness? What are we meant to do knowing that everything comes from Hashem? And that the moment is now. If we're feeling it, if we're in it, it must be meant for us. And we must have the tools, the wherewithal, the ability, the gifts ahead of time to be able not only to deal with, but to transform the difficulty into revealed goodness. Because if Hashem makes everything happen and he is the ultimate good, then the question is, what do we do with this concealed good, which is so difficult, painful, dark in our lives, but we trust that it is good, but that our minds and our hearts cannot contain the way it comes to us. And yet it comes to us, and we need to deal with it. And so today we want to talk about the secret, the key, the path to revealing the good in the darkness, especially this time of destruction. For this is known as a time of destruction of Jerusalem and the Holy Temple, God's house. God not only allowed, but obviously engineered that his house be demolished. The name of the month is an interesting name. It's called Av, Father. And the full name is Menachem Av. Menachem Av, comfort the Father. We can comfort the Father. Who is the Father? Hashem is the father. He's called Ovinu of Horachamon. He's our father, the merciful father. Baal Horachamim, the master of mercy. And we ask him, Ovinu of Horachamon, Hamerachem, he who has compassion. Rachem no We say it daily in our prayers. We ask him, we speak to him as father. 
We'll speak more about this in a moment, but just this short break. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. Yes, it is the time as we approach the saddest day of the year. And I'd like you to know that we at Chai FM are going to help educate, guide, because this Saturday night, when Tisha, Be- Tisha B'Av begins, and Kathy so correctly phrased it as the Jewish nation's 9-11, Chai FM is pleased to tell you that we have partnered with TorahAnytime.com and we will be bringing you 26 hours of programming to guide and inspire all about Tisha B'Av. So join us right here on 101.9 High FM from Saturday night through Sunday for Tisha B'Av 2019. That's 101.9 High FM. Yes, Today is the eighth day of Av. Today is the Erev Tisha B'Av that in a sense will not be an Erev Tisha B'Av because we are going into the holiest day of the year of Shabbos. And the fast is postponed. We won't be fasting if, God forbid, Mashiach doesn't come and we will have to fast. The fast will not begin until tomorrow night. Tomorrow night at 5.42, or by 5.42, we have to be finished eating. And our sages say, since it's already been pushed off, may it be pushed off forever. Since it's already been moved because we cannot fast on Shabbos, please, merciful Father, remove fasting and pain, loss, difficulty, suffering forever. The name of the month is Menachem of... Who is of, of is of Vinu Malkenu, of Father. And who is our Father? Our Father is the King. Our Father is Adoin Oilam, the Master of the World. Our Father is Melech Oilam, the King of the World. Our Father is Boirei Oilam, the Creator of the World. And in that world, word oilam, which is wor- world, the word that is world, the word oilam shares a root with the word ne'elam, hidden, helem, hidden. For this world seems to be existing on its own, but it's anything but. In this incredible act of self-sacrifice, as it were, God hid himself. God removed himself, but not really. He just created a space in our reality in which he could build a world. Why? Because in his presence, there's no question. There's no choice. We're in the throne room of the king. It's glorious. It's pleasurable. It's goodness. It's glory. But when the king is hidden and we still choose to remember him, to follow him, to serve him, to please him, that is choosing. And then he truly becomes 
melech. You can have a patriarch. You can have a great-great-great-grandfather who has 600 descendants, and they all listen to him, and they love him, and they serve him, and they feel that his philosophies are wise. But it's family. It's a tribe. It's not yet people choosing to follow a man or an entity that they understand with their own limited understanding that he is good and wise. And that choice makes them the nation, and he becomes coronated as king. And what did God want in creating the world? If we go all the way back to the beginning, he desired a dwelling place in this world of concealment, in this nether world, in a world in which things look like they're just moving along on their own, where there are all these seemingly rational explanations for everything. But in truth, it's a hidden world. For in truth, Hashem Echad, it's unity of God being played out in so many different divisions. If we think of the world, light and dark, heaven and earth, mountains and valleys, rivers and dry land. We have a world where there are fish and birds, animals and man, minerals, plant life. It's a world where there are so many manys. And in the manyness, our job is to create unity, to know that nothing moves Nothing is here, nothing sustained without the presence and the omnipotence and the omnipresence of the Creator Himself, and that's our work. Our work is to discover Him and find Him and reveal Him in everything natural, normal, in our relationships, at the workplace, in the shops, in the street, at home, at work, when we're young, when we're older, when we're oldest. He's everywhere. He's making the now happen, and everything that comes from him is good. When he created the world, how did he create the world? We're told, Olam chesed yibone. The world was created on loving kindness. The world is based on love. The world is built, was built, and is constantly being built by the love, the giving, the kindness of Hashem himself. And so it is that no matter how dark things seem, the world is a good place, and Hashem is loving Chosid bechol ma'asoiv. Toiv Hashem. God is good. He's good to all his creatures. He's compassionate in all his deeds. And so how do we reveal that goodness? So Hashem created the world. He built it with love. He continues to run it with unending love. But we find ourselves in something called Golos. 
galut, darkness. And we're reaching for something called geula, redemption. So let's look at ourselves. Who are we? Go back to the beginning. We are man, mankind. We are the family of man. And then, more specifically, we are the children of royalty. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, kings. Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Valea, queens. And they are called father and mother. These are our fathers and our mothers. What does that mean? That means that we too are princes and princesses. And what is a king meant to do? A king is meant to rule. And so we are put down here as the children of the king of kings and the descendants of people who were royal, people who were sovereigns. And what are we doing? How do we do this? We often feel too weak, too small, and not conscious that we are kings and queens, princes and princesses. And the example given is of a king who wants his son to gain experience, the young crown prince, so he sends him away to live amongst farmers, people without culture, lowly people. He puts him out into the world because he wants him to learn all about every aspect of the kingdom. But the prince slowly forgets who he is and begins to mix with those people learn from those people and forgets that he is one of them, that he's not one of them. He thinks he's one of them. And we are one exactly like that prince, each one of us. We come down into the world. We come from a place of spirituality, holiness, where we know we're going down to do a mission. We have a purpose. And even though it's difficult, we come down here to synthesize heaven and earth, to live a physical life with our eyes on spirituality, to discover the treasure, not only in every moment and every day and every activity, but the light in every challenge. We, the children of the Father, the Father who has sent us to become the future monarchs to train us. He has sent us into difficulty. And the reason is, Menachem of, to bring comfort to the Father, to bring the Father his desire. And very often we get lost on the way. And what is the biggest thing that challenges us? Well, one of the biggest things is something called Sinas Hating, disliking, disassociating from, for no good reason. It's why the second temple was destroyed. Looking at the world as if it's something beloved and that spirituality, holiness, godliness 
are not something to be loved. Hating it for nothing. We don't really know it. It's for nothing. We haven't discovered it. We say, it's not for me. It's not my friend. The solution, the antidote to this causeless hate is unconditional love. Ahavas chinam. Understanding that everything that's hard is really good. The harder it is, the better it is. The more impossible it seems, that's where greatness lies. Because every descent is for the purpose of rising higher. God never brings difficulty just because. He's not punishing us. We're not such big tzaddikim. We're not such righteous people that, oh, we can say, you know why that's happening to me? Because I did this and I did this. Not at all. Very often it's connected to our soul's mission to guide us and take us somewhere. Very often through this path, we gain the skills, the talents to bring great joy to ourselves. Very often it's a very winding path, but we need to trust that the Torah directs us and we have Torah teachers who can guide us to see the light in the darkness. Every Yerida is Letzoyrech Aliyah. Yerida Tzorech Aliyah means God never just demolishes. It's always demolish to build it up greater. Take it apart so it can be rebuilt, but rebuilt with more wisdom in a greater design, destroy to rebuild. And very often we feel that we are being destroyed, as it were. The best thing we can destroy is our own ego. That would build a better self. So who are we? What are we doing in this world? Thank God we have Torah guides and teachers. Thank God, from their example, we can see what it's about. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Every morning we read the story of the Akedah, the story of the binding of Isaac. Why did Abraham do this? Because of his great love, not only for Hashem, but his great love for his son, his great love for his people, for the future. Even though it looked dark, Hashem had promised him a son and now he was saying, offer him up on an altar. Avraham did not question. Why? Because Avraham knew one thing. Hashem is in charge. I will follow Hashem. It will certainly be good. Does it look good to me now? No. And have Avraham continues to pray for us and guide us. We read this every single morning to remind us that no matter how dark and difficult it gets, Hashem never demands the impossible. And it turns out good. And if we don't see the good, soon, ultimately, with Mashiach, the dark parts that we cannot see the goodness in will be shown to us.
And at that time, we will say, I praise you. I thank you, Hashem, that you have dealt harshly with me. Because it won't just be an explanation. It will be a revelation. However, right now, let's take guidance. Not only from the sages, not only from our historical parents, from King David, whose Tehillim we say daily, and who gives us these incredibly encouraging messages with every word. But let's look at the Rebbe in our generation. The Rebbe loved people, and he never stopped. The Rebbe was loving. Some people saw him as the ultimate Oyhev Yisrael, one who loves all Jews and one who loves humanity. People saw different things in the Rebbe. But we need to understand from what the Rebbe himself said, incredible, incredible guidance for us now. We'll be right back with an interesting story. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. A word from Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood. They have these pocket-saving sweet deals just for you. Pick and Pay Fresh Chicken Bry Packs, $79.99 per kilo. Pick and Pay Whole Barbecue Chicken at a very low $69.99 Sorry, 69 rand per kilo. Pick and pay fresh chicken, just 69.99 per kilo. Pick and pay frozen petite hake fillets, 69.99 per kilo. Pick and pay fresh hake headed and gutted, 79.99. And I'm really hopeful that these are all kosher. Doesn't say so here. Hopefully this is a kosher advertisement. Catch these and many more specials in store. Specials exclusive to Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood and only while stocks last. That's Pick and Pay Hyper in Norwood, the best place to shop when you want to buy a lot. I'm Mushy Lipsker. And I want to share with you that a young man who became close to a group of Lubavitcher students in France was very taken with the Hasidic way of life and its teachings, but with one exception. He was uncomfortable with the extreme reverence that the Hasidim had for the Rebbe. He shared his feelings with his friends, and they suggested that he travel to New York and pose his concerns to the Rebbe himself. And he asked the Rebbe, why is it that the Chassidim literally venerate you? And the Rebbe answered, I love every Jew, débordement, literally overflowing in French. The love the Chassidim have for me is simply a reflection of my love for them. If we can reframe that and understand Take time, daily, hourly, to think about what has Hashem done for me in this hour. The ability to speak and to think, 
the ability to breathe and to walk, the ability to connect, to eat, the ability to give. Such love, such revealed love, chesed, giving. Kamayim haponim laponim. King Solomon says, like the face that you show the water, the water reflects back to you. And that should be our work. And the question is, how do we show love for God? What will make him feel loved? And the answer is, he loves it when we love his children. What pleases a father most is when we are kind to the offspring, to the children. Do a favor to the king's son and the king will reward you. Our work, which refines us tremendously, is to show love for others. And so listen to this fascinating story. The Rebbe wrote a letter. He begins, After the very long interval, I was pleased to receive your letter of 17th June, in which you write about your wedding. And then he says, You write about meeting a Jew in the course of your travels who comes to the synagogue to help make up a minion. Yet at the same time, he reads the newspaper. Everyone, of course, reacts to an experience in the way that is closest to him. Thus, says the Rebbe, for my part, I make the following two extreme observations. First, I see in it the extreme Jewish attachment which one finds in every Jew. For here is a person who has wandered off to a remote part of the world and has become so far removed, not only geographically, but also mentally and intellectually, as to have no concept of what prayer is or what a house of God is, etc. Yet, one finds in him that Jewish spark, or as the Altarebbe, the founder of Chabad, expressed it in his Tanya, the divine soul, which is truly a part of God. This divine soul, which is an inheritance of every Jew, seeks expression as best as it can. And in the case of this particular Jew, it seeks expression in at least enabling other Jews to pray in a minion, congregationally. And that's why he goes out of his way to help them and at the same time be counted with them. My other observation, following from the above, is as follows, writes the Rebbe. Where the odds are so great against Jewish observance, a Jew can remain active and conscious of his Jewishness. It can easily be seen what great things could have been accomplished with this particular person if at the proper time he should have received the proper Jewish education in his early life or at least the proper spiritual guidance in his adult life. This consideration surely emphasizes the mutual responsibility which rests upon all Jews, particularly on those who can help others. 
We must never despair of any Jew. And at the same time, we must do all we can to take the fullest advantage of our capacities and abilities to strengthen the Jewish consciousness amongst all Jews with whom we come into contact. For one can never tell how far-reaching such influence can be. And in the light of this, I would like to share with you several stories, stories from the Rebbe. And the first story is an interesting perspective, as they all are, for the Rebbe had a perspective of positivity that uplifted, that nurtured, that directed. And so a person came to the Rebbe, and he was seeking advice how to help a certain person in his family who had an issue of self-restraint. How do we often look at that? person loses it. People scream. The others scream back. But he came to the Rebbe. What can we do? The Rebbe guided him, saying, You must know that when you take something negative away from someone, you must be sure to replace it with something positive. If not, a void will be created, and another form of negativity may come to fill it. Wow. Can you imagine? When you create a void of any kind, we must be sure to fill it with positivity. We shouldn't just repress the negative. We need to redirect it. A void needs to be filled. We know that when our hearts are broken, God forbid, as all of us at High FM are, by the sudden passing of dear Helen, we must do something to fill that void. In fact, just a thought about Kaddish. Why do we recite Kaddish when somebody passes away? It's because every person fills this world with praise of God by their deeds. Being here is already a statement about the great creator and what he can do. can create life. He can give a form. He can give potential ability. And our dear Helen exemplified giving, giving, giving. Everybody felt she was their best friend. Kindness. And we need to fill the void. And how do you fill the void? Unconditional love. Give more. Where to give? Where it's hardest. And how to give? At the same time that we're trying to grow, how do we temper that with living in the world? And so here's a story about a newly married chosen. He was a chosid of the Rebbe, and he proposed to the Rebbe that he might increase certain religious stringencies in his home, wants to become more machmir. Obviously, these practices would impose more restriction on his wife as well. In other words, these behaviors would affect her too, and he wants to become more machmir, more holy. While the Rebbe encouraged his yearning for spiritual service, 
he offered the young man some clear guidance. He said, when you strive to go higher, start with practices that demand of yourself, not of others. Like, it's called self-refinement for a reason. You want to refine yourself? Don't impose things on others. The beautiful thing is that when you live with a refined person and a person who's trying to grow, but they're trying to grow in goodness and kindness as well, things change in the environment. And now I want to talk about Shiduchim. Because there's a Shidduch crisis in the world, and next week there'll be an international chalabek to have all these young people in mind, these wonderful young people, men and women, who somehow are just not getting married. And the question you have to ask yourself is, are you looking for what's best, or are you looking for what's right for you? And so the story is, A young man had reached marriageable age and his mother had set her heart on a certain young woman for him. She went to the Rebbe to get a blessing for the match. And the Rebbe said, although they are both wonderful people, I don't think she's an ideal match for your son. The mother had her heart set on this young woman. She was like already getting engaged to the young woman on behalf of the son. And the Rebbe said, they're both wonderful, but I don't think she's ideal for your son. And the mother exclaimed, and let's hear how many of us and how many young people feel this way. But how can that be, the mother exclaimed. They are two really wonderful people. Doesn't it make sense that they should marry each other? And the Rebbe said this. He said, if a glass of cold milk, refreshingly delicious. Uh, yeah, said the woman. And does a nice cut of meat taste good, asked the Rebbe. Uh, she had to admit, yeah, it does. And yet the Rebbe continued... Though they may be wonderful on their own, the Torah tells us that these two foods should not be brought together. Aha. So not everything that looks best, in my opinion, might be right for me. Very often somebody thinks, I deserve, I need, it's my type. I need all these things. I have to have them in a marriage partner. The men think she has to be a size two or a size four, and she has to be beautiful, and she has to be talented, and she has to be intellectual. We just look back into the matriarchs and the patriarchs. What's ideal marriage marriage material? Eliezer was looking for a good woman, a kind woman. We think we need or deserve so much in a marriage partner, like, be, like 
we, we just put all the milas into a list. Our infinite loving Father Hashem knows what our neshama needs. He knows what our mission in life is. He knows what the journey will be. Even in a challenging marriage, every real relationship is going to be challenging. Torah says, get married. Why? Get married to set up a bias neman. Get married based on chesed. It's going to be about giving, giving to others, to your spouse, to guests, to children. Let your home be a meeting place where there are shiurim, where guests are always welcome, where tzedakah is dispensed. Let's remember that there's kindness we need to do to the soul as well. Let's remember that the last interview with CNN, the Rebbe said Mashiach is ready to come. But it's just for us on our part to do a little bit more goodness and kindness. And these days will be transformed from days of mourning to the greatest Yontif yet. We are known as the people of the book, literary connoisseurs, consumers of words and prose, sharers of ideas. In short, we are readers. Well, actually, we are a Torah nation. Hi FM is starting a book club. Would you like to be one of the Chai FM book club readers? It's social, it's fun, it's enlightening, it's stimulating. We're looking for people with a wide range of reading topics and genres. Get in touch. Email us. Email us at books at chaifm.com. That's books at chaifm.com. And so we're going to light our candles. Please, God, at 5 by 527, and welcome in the most joyous Shabbos of all. Because the Yontif that will be in the future on Tisha B'Av, we can sense it a little bit on this Shabbos, a Shabbos when we have all the delicious food, we welcome guests, and we mustn't show any sadness whatsoever. May these days truly be transformed from days of mourning to days of the ultimate joy. Let's do one more act of kindness, and let's make it happen. Good Shabbos.